0: Thank mm-hmm. you. You may be seated. The text for the sermon this day is taken from both the Gospel lesson and the Old Testament reading which is read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father. No Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So a couple of years ago, uh, when I was still living in Ocheid, and I took a very fun, kind of a fun vacation, I went on a road trip. I, my road trip involved me going from Ocheidon, to Des Moines, to Indianapolis, to Charleston, West Virginia, to Washington DC, to Portland, Maine, to Niagara Falls, to Milwaukee to Fargo back to Ochea. In case you don't know, that's a lot of miles. It was fun, but on when, it, when I went to DC, I spent a couple days there. I went to see the uh, saw some of the landmarks. I went to Arlington National Cemetery, and one of the nights that I was there, the night it was getting. I got I went to the Lincoln Memorial, and it was pretty laid out. And I was realizing I needed to go, decided I wanted to go get on the train to get back to my hotel. Well, where I was located, I had two choices. I could either go a mile and a half to the Smithsonian and take the train there, or I could walk a mile and a half and go to the one next to the Arlington National Cemetery, which meant, yes, I'd have to cross state borders to get to that one. But that is the one I chose to go to. I decided to go to Arlington. And I, so I made the walk, and by the way, I'd already <clears throat> walked a lot. If you, any of you have ever been to D.C., you do a lot of walking. And so I made the walk, and I got, to, so I got to Arlington, and I got to the little train hub, and guess what I found? Closed down for the night. Which meant that now to get to the other one is three miles the other direction, and I ended up hailing a taxi, because I'm like, nope, I'm not walking anymore. So, but anyways, I used that, because I got to that gate, and I saw it, there's nothing I could do to solve my situation, because realistically, if I went the other way to the Smithsonian, which apparently was still open, by the time I got there, it wouldn't be. Which, you know, I could probably use the exercise, but I didn't feel like doing it at that time. So... No matter what I did, I could not really get on that train. Even I bro- if I broke down that gate, I couldn't really hail it down like I could a taxi. I was- there was nothing I could do to get on that train. This last- during this season of Lent, we have been exploring the theme of people laundering in exile. Comparing and contrasting the themes of the Old Testament and the New Testament. We are in reality people in exile. We are made, we were put into exile from the garden from the very beginning. As soon as Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they were cast out of the garden, and then the way into the garden was sealed shut. It was blocked by a flaming sword. They could not enter. Because the only ones that could enter into the into that place were those who were righteous. Adam and Eve were not righteous anymore. And so as history progressed, God would give a means, he would give a way to provide for his people in order to to have atonement. And so it was. They had a yearly day of atonement where an animal would be selected, an, a lamb without blemish would be sacrificed. The sin of that family would be laid upon this animal, and their sins would not be on them but on that animal. And so that's, that animal would suffer, would die for their sins. And so, for a time, they were permitted into the presence of God. Shoot forward. We are all, like Adam and Eve, barred from the presence of God. We are all born sinful. We are born dead. We are born with nothing good in us. Not one thing. And I know our temptation is to say, well, I'm not as bad as that guy down the street or this person or that person. We always like to try to make ourselves not look too bad. But the reality is, is that all of us are, as Paul says, that no one is righteous, not even one. No one does good. Check out Romans 3 at the very, towards the beginning of it. And you read Paul talk about our condition. Or look at Isaiah 58, where it uses much of the same language that just hits hard at what our condition is. We are sinful, we are wretched, we have nothing good in us. And the thing is, is our, sinful, we, our temptation is to say, well, like I said, it's, to think we're not that much worse, we're not as bad as that other guy. I'm going, to use, I'm going to reference Batman for a moment. <laughs> in case you don't know, I'm a Batman fan. Um, but there's a graphic novel back in the late, late 80s. And it was a controversial one just because of the sensitive nature of what happens. But in the, the whole it comic was this discussion, debate, between Joker and Batman. The name of... And uh, Joker... Well, you learn about the backstory of the Joker that he was a guy that experienced a great tragedy in his life. And when that happened, he became insane. And so the whole story is he is trying to convince Batman and everyone else that every person, every human being, is one really bad day away from being like him. And the way the story ends is that it actually leaves you wondering Because Joker does some really bad things. I'm not going to go into that. But by the end of the story, you are left thinking that Batman had the really bad day. And he became the Joker. And the point, and the thing is, is it's, I know it's, I doubt, I don't know if the guy that wrote it is a a Christian. But it's amazing that sometimes the secular world recognizes our sinful nature better than many sometimes we Christians do. That we don't realize that yes, we are all in the right situation, we are all capable of doing awful things. There is no righteousness in us. And so when we have been wandering in our exile, and if we, st- we want to, st- we come before the throne of God, and we want, if we try to stand on our own righteousness, we won't enter. We cannot get in on our righteousness. There is nothing you can do to break your way in. There is nothing you can do to enter into the presence of God because every work you do is filthy. Every good deed you do is filthy in the sight of God. And all we do is we dig a deeper and deeper hole. And see, that is the whole reason we, this, yesterday, Maundy Thursday, marked the end of the Lenten season, technically. And the reason it technically marks the end is because all of Lent, the whole purpose of Lent, it's all about preparing your hearts and your minds for the the Holy Triduum, is what it's called. The Holy Triduum started at 6 o'clock yesterday, and it ends at the end of the Easter Vigil tomorrow. Or, if you have a church that doesn't have an Easter Vigil, it ends at the end of the sunrise service. The Holy Triduum, Holy Three Days, the whole season of Lent, you focus upon the fact that we are wretched, that we are wandering in this world, in this world of sickness and death, and that we are the chief of sinners. And as we get closer, we begin to become more and more mindful of what our Lord has done. And then we reach at this day, this period, these three days, where we focus very intently on why we so desperately and so badly need to hear about the cross all the time. Because we are wandering in this exile. And without the cross, we would be like I was when I was in D.C., getting to that gate and can't do anything. I'm excited to get on that train to go home. Well, not really excited. I'm tired. And I want to go home and get some sleep. Go to the hotel. But we get here, with the all right, we're past. And here we are at the gates of heaven. If we stand on our righteousness, no matter what you do, you will not get in. You are left out. And so, it is that our God selected a lamb for sacrifice. He selected a one to bear the sins of all the world. He selected his son. And so, he selected his son, Jesus. And so, Jesus was whipped, he was flogged, he was beaten. And understand, there are many people, and this is an increasing argument amongst people in our culture, that will try to claim that what happened to Jesus was a form of divine child abuse or something like that. And don't believe me? The guy that wrote The Shack believes that. So if you ever think The Shack believes in the crucifixion like we do, he doesn't. He hates it. So that's why he never brings up the cross in the entire movie or the entire book. Because he doesn't believe it. So, or even some of our liberal church bodies reject it. And say that Jesus did, that God, Jesus did not come to atone for his sins. Because that would suggest child abuse. Some type of domestic or... Divine child abuse, abuse by God. But the thing is, is that it misses a very crucial thing. Jesus says, "I am the good shepherd, who lays his life down for him." Does someone else take it up? No. He takes it down. His he lays down his life of his own accord. Jesus makes the choice to die for us. He makes the choice. To lie in the way of the, of the death, the condemnation that des- we deserve, he lies in the way. That's why it says when Jesus, in the other gospels, when Jesus on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was in that moment that Jesus, that the, the God the Father turned his back on God the Son, that he was rejected. And it's at that point, it is appropriate to say that Jesus was damned. He was damned for you. So that you wouldn't be. He was abandoned by God so that you wouldn't be. He did go into hell, but when he went and descended into hell, that was the victory. But on the cross, when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the damnation of Jesus. Because he he who do no sin became sin for us. He became sin. That means the sin of the entire world was laid upon him. That means that every sin you have ever committed ever will commit, or anyone has ever committed, was laid on him, and he was declared the guilty one. And he received the full punishment for it, so that you may live. You see at this, okay, little church history. I don't know if you know this, but this was not put into churches initially, so you had something to lean on when you come up for communion. So, which, don't worry, I'd probably do that too. But, <laughs> that is actually not the original reasoning for altar rates. The reason was, it symbolizes something that we're actually going to symbolize very real, little, kind of a bit more later, is right in here there's an opening. And the reason is, is because when Jesus died on the cross, the other Gospels say that what happened to the curtain in the temple? It was torn from top to bottom. Meaning that the way to God is open. This opening and the, te- the altar which symbolizes the place of God, this opening is a reminder. Because otherwise, if they didn't want to teach us, they, there would be no rail. You'd have to just kneel. So, you're like, yes, we, don't, we, have, we have rails. But... This means that when Jesus died on the cross, it symbolizes that by his death, the way to God is open. He gives you the righteousness that is necessary to come before God. In a little bit, that cross right there that's veiled, which is actually veiled by, with an actual curtain, because that's all I could find to cover with was a curtain that didn't fit in my apartment. But that is an actual curtain, which turns out that works great for, it doesn't even have to symbolize a curtain. It is a curtain. But the curtain is on the cross. And a little bit you're going to hear, behold the life giving cross. And that will be slowly unveiled. Again, as a reminder that by the cross the curtain has been torn and the way to God is open. That is what Good Friday is all about. Without the cross, you are dead. And we are standing on the gate and we cannot get through, we are like me in DC. But by Christ, by his blood shed on the cross, the way is open. And what is on the other side of the gate is not exile, but bliss beyond wildest imagination. Jesus' death is the most important event in the history of the world. There's nothing more important. And you, little Christ, you Christians, little Christ's, are called to go and declare that is how much he loved you. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.